Uh, if you've been with us uh, any length of time, you know we've been in a sermon called He Gets, or a series called He Gets It. And we have looked at um, all of the different ways that Jesus gets our situation. We looked at Jesus uh, primarily in his, his passion narrative. That's the, the time of his life when he was coming to die in Jerusalem, where he gets beat up and he gets abandoned, he gets accused, he gets mocked, he gets bullied, he gets uh, tempted, he gets burdened. Ultimately, last week we saw with the sin of the world. And it's, it's good to know, I mean, it's a good thing to know that, hey, wherever you are, no matter how bad things are, no matter how deep in the hole you are, no matter whether you're, you know, you're worried about the job, you're worried about your marriage, you're worried about your family, you're worried about, you know, whatever it is, that, that your health, your sickness, no matter how deep, dark down that hole is, the betrayal you've experienced or the abuse, wherever it goes, it's good to know, and we've been saying this over and over, it's good to know that he gets it. But there's been something sitting in, hopefully, the back of your minds as we've been experiencing this. We've been learning this. You know, it's great to know that he gets it. It, it is. It's, it's, it's important. It, it can change our prayer life. It can change the way that we uh, sometimes feel isolated and alone in the midst of our suffering. But we need more than sympathy. We need more than empathy. We need victory. We need a win. Uh, and the question is, is that something we can bank on? Can we say without reservation, can we say for sure that there's going to be a win, that there is hope, that, the, that the, we can, yes. Last week, um, I shared with you a story about the Mall of America child. Uh, they've now announced his name. It's uh, Landon Hoffman. He's five years old. And uh, he was thrown from the third floor balcony of the Mall of America. Um, and it was, it was a poignant moment because we got to think, I mean, for those of you who have kids, you get to think, wow, can you imagine that was your kid? And we got to notice the fact that, you know what, that's how God felt. That's how the father felt when the, when the son was put on the cross. That was his kid. And, and we noted that... Um, you know, there, there was some potential good news that, that this five-year-old Landon, he had been thrown over the railing of, the, of the, um, the third floor, but he hadn't died. Now, it's one thing to tell Landon's mom, hey, he gets it. He gets what it's like to almost lose a kid. It's another thing to say, maybe his power is great enough. Maybe the victory is real. And maybe Landon's going to be okay. Let's read uh, from the text, and, and I hope you'll hear in the back of, uh, background of all of this, be, be mindful of uh, the fact that it's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Let's read. This is from the end of Romans 8. Um, for those of you who are concerned about, we're going to go backwards to Romans 8. We can't do all of Romans 8. If you're a, if you're a Bible nerd, don't worry. In the summer, we're going to do a 12-week series on Romans. We're going to really chew on it, so don't, don't be worried about that. Uh, but today, we're getting a little preview. This is my favorite chapter of the Bible, and it ends this way. Yet in all these things, this is Paul saying, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Since we've just joined Paul in the middle of it, what are these things? Well, they're all the things that we've been talking about these last five weeks. 
It's the way that it's, it's every possible obstacle that comes in between us and, and fulfilling our destiny in Christ, which is to be conformed to the image of his son. I think I have some images of some things we saw. Uh, in the middle there is Gabriella. We saw her in week two. Gabriella um, was social media bullied to the point of suicide at 12 years old. The bottom left is James Damore, who had un, uh, uh, he had opinions that were not tolerated by the powers, and he was fired from his job at Google. The top left was Landon, uh, Landon from uh, the Mall of America. On the right, Jesus bearing all the burdens and sin and temptation of, of the of, of all of us, and yet we also bear those things. All of that stuff. There are people out there who sink, who are seeking to sink us. There are situations in our life that are dragging us down. There are things in our own hearts we're not proud of, and they're seeking to derail us. Every single one of those things is the things that Paul is talking about. They're all out there. But what does he say about them? In all of those things, we are more than conquerors. Neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, any other created thing. Um, It we, we, we tend to think of death and life in very material terms, right? Death is when your heart stops beating and your brain doesn't work anymore. Life is when your heart keeps beating and your brain is working. That's not how it was in the ancient world. In the ancient world, death and life were powers. They were, they were existing forces, if you will, that, that could, could own your life and take over and direct you. The power of death was in the hands of Satan. The power of life in the hands of God. Principality is not a great translation. That's arche in Greek. It really means uh, spheres of authority or authoritative power. Um, he might, Paul might be talking about uh, demonic forces. Maybe, maybe not. He's probably at least talking about, about governments, oppressive governments, Caesar, people who have the power to tell us what to do. We uh, look at present things, present things to come. Uh, really, probably what Paul has in mind is the way that the present presses down on us and the way our fears of the future you know, amplify that. So you come here today and there's something going on. You're worried about your kid's test. That's a simple thing. But that's, that's something that's worrying you and not knowing about the future makes that worry even worse. You don't know about your career. You don't know if you're going to be a provider for your family. You don't know if your marriage is going to survive this patch. And those anxieties are bearing down on you. And the fact that you don't know what is to come makes it even worse. You can flip to the, the picture here. I've, I've got images of all these things. Height and depth. We're, in, the, in, in the 21st century, we're not super, uh, we're not amazed by height and depth the way that ancient people were. And that's because we have things like skyscrapers that are really, really tall. And we made those. That makes us proud of ourselves. And we have submarines that can go deep down into the ocean and launch nuclear weapons. And so we don't see height and depth as these like monstrous powers. Imagine being an ancient person and never seeing a building more than say like four stories and then looking up at a mountain and being like, whoa. Moreover, distance in the ancient world was something that it was almost like if you were separated from your loved ones, uh, distance meant death because you couldn't communicate. There were no cell phones. They didn't even have telegraphs. In the last 150 years, we have completely changed human civilization. We're eight, distance doesn't really bother us anymore. I remember being in Japan and being able to live chat over Skype with my parents and my friends across the world with no lag. That's not the, that's not the experience of the ancient world. What Paul is up to, what he's doing is he's, he's gathering all of the things that are powerful in his world. 
The forces and the minions, the powers of oppression, the powers of distance and height, the powers that, that, that suppress or give life, everything that he can imagine. He even says any other created thing, really any other thing in creation that we think has power. Come up with all of that, the most powerful, powerful power you can imagine. It's different for us. For us, uh, Caesar is not what we consider powerful. Typically, human uh, Americans don't think of angels as powerful. Um, they may be, but we don't think of them that way. What do we think? We think, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs is powerful. Do I have a picture of Goldman Sachs? Yes. Look at, oh man, look at Jeff Bezos before and after. That's the top left there. That's, uh, the, the, on the left is Jeff Bezos in like 1999 when he had just started Amazon. And uh, to the right is Jeff Bezos now. Um, having recently gone through the world's most expensive divorce. He's uh, feeling good about himself. Google. Isn't it crazy that there is like a small corporation that controls what you can see information-wise? Yeah, they used to be able to do that in the ancient world with propaganda. Now we've taken that to the 21st century, and I, I, I suggest that those of us who don't think that Google and Twitter have power, you're crazy. With, with Twitter, you know, you can magnify the opinions of a small group and make that group seem like the majority and crush people and destroy their lives. Google can make it seem as though this information doesn't even exist. And this is the truth. You think of the American military the power that it has to go and blow anything up that we would like. Paul's point is, no matter how powerful your money is at Goldman Sachs, no matter how powerful your ability to influence minds is, no matter how powerful you, uh, your ability to change laws and, and coerce people, no matter how powerful you have the, the ability to execute violence, all of that, every single one of those powers is nothing. This is the promise that Paul has, and, and this is the first thing you know, she's the promise. No power can prevent us from being victoriously conformed to the image of Christ. There is nothing that Google can do. There is nothing that Jeff Bezos can do. There is nothing that Donald Trump can do. There is nothing that China can do that can stop, that can prevent you from the ultimate victory that God has for you. That is to have the life and peace and joy of Jesus the Messiah of Israel. You cannot be stopped in that pursuit. It is impossible, Paul says. You might even say, whether you like it or not, you will be like Jesus, and you will have his life if you're a believer. But that's ludicrous. It's dumb, if you think about it. I mean, what? We all know people who've been, you know, dealt a bad hand, and, uh, and things went bad for them. We've all seen that. How, how, can, how can Paul make this absolutely ludicrous, absolutely nonsense statement to us? Moreover, okay, let's just give Paul the benefit of the doubt. All right, Paul, awesome. But here's the thing, we're Americans, and uh, when we, we know what to do, we need to make a plan, we need to execute. So I want to have this victory that you're talking about. I want to be conformed to Jesus. I want to have, no matter what goes on in my life, I want to have his peace, his joy, his love, his mercy. I want to be like him. I want to be, what do I got to do, Paul? Give me the, give me the, 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 
the plan. Give me the menu. Give me the, the, the steps. What do I got to do? Step one. I want control over this because it seems really good. Let's move back a little bit in Romans 8. You can scour the whole chapter. Look for the, the one thing that human beings are supposed to do in this chapter. Here it is. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession. He comes in between us and God and, and, and does groanings that cannot be uttered to fix what, what we messed up in our prayers. Now he who searches the hearts, now God who searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession. He comes between the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Abba means daddy. For those of you who have uh, daughters, you might have heard something like this. This goes on pretty My kids know that if they want something, they go ask mom. But if she's on a run and they really need it, they can come to me. And so frequently, Alice will come and say, Daddy, can I have a mermaid palace in Roblox? If you don't know what Roblox is, you're so lucky. Um, <laughs> if you do, it's a, it's a game that all the kids are playing. And it has uh, microtransactions. And in each of these different games, you can get how Alice wants desperately to live in a mermaid palace. There's a very deep pool in the backyard. Everything's pink. But that costs money. You don't just get a mermaid palace for free. Those guys, they're not just going to toss those things out. They've got to they gotta make it their living too, right? Olivia is less into getting mermaid palaces. She usually comes up and says, Daddy, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Chuck E. Cheese has instituted a new policy where you can purchase unlimited tokens. You get like these cards for like 90 minutes. So you can play as many times as you want. And if Olivia were good at any of those games, she would probably end up you know, getting a lot of prizes, but she's not. So I get one ticket. I have to put one ticket in the machine at a time. It's a horrible experience. It, like, and the thing is, I'm fat, so like my back hurts. And so when they come in, I look like, a little bit them like Tommy Lee Jones looks. From his, I'm, I don't have a paper, newspaper because that's obviously no one reads those anymore. But I have on my iPad, I have the news. And I look up and I'm like, no, get out of here. Mermaid Palace, please. Chuck E. Cheese, it's so, ugh, so loud. At least, could you just make decent pizza? Like, nope. But you see, though, like, so then what will happen, right, is, because uh, the, the thing is, they, they know that there's nothing they can do to get Robux. There is no way that they can get to Chuck E. Cheese without me. I'm the one who actually has the power. All they can do is bat the eyelashes. Daddy, when mommy comes back from her run, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? No, get out of here. I'm trying to do something else. Yeah. And then they might come back and they might say, oh, daddy, I'll tell you what, I'll do some dishes for you. Oh, that sounds good, definitely. Is that going to change my mind, though? No, I've already made up my mind. I know what I'm going to do one way or the other. I might get them, they may be going to Chuck E. Cheese, probably not. They may get, you know, Mermaid Palace, probably not. But I already know what I'm doing. 
Whatever they say has nothing to do, like, they, I, I know what's best for them. So the only thing they can do, they have no power, they, have, they don't have access to our credit cards or our passwords on the iPads, thank the Lord. So they can't do it themselves, they can only depend on Daddy. That's what Paul says. He's like, he's like, oh, you want to live this incredible life? Guess what? All you can do is just ask your dad. He might say yes. He might say no. But that's all you can do. And so if you wanted to know this next thing, your notes, what's our part? What's our part in having victory in this life? Well, our part is not a whole lot. It's patient, dependent prayer. It's, it's our part is just to be like, okay, God, this, daddy, this is what I, this is what I want. I think this is what I need. Uh, I'm in the middle of this situation. I think this is what would get me to a place where um, I, I would be freed up and in peace and in joy again. I don't really know, but that's what I'm asking for. Do you think all I can do is ask? Let's go back to the text. This is so cool. I love Paul's like, oh yeah, you do that. You do that. Well, Christians will say, Daddy, please give me Robux. And then, then, <laughs> then he says, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We don't know the future. We don't know what's coming up. The Spirit himself makes intercession. The Spirit comes between us and God with groanings we can't understand to, to translate our bad, weak, sad, uninformed prayers into the right kinds of prayers. God searches our hearts. He knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit does that for us. And God knows. God changes our, our bad, weak prayers into something that actually we do need. And then when that comes back, it's for our own good. Daddy, Mermaid Palace, that's what Alice says. This is what I hear. I hear, Daddy, um, it's the next slide, please. I hear, Daddy, will you help me with my homework? Olivia's like, Daddy, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? I'm like, what I hear is I need a ride to the soccer practice. Because they don't know what's good for them. They think going to Chuck E. Cheese and having Roblox is good for them. Wrong! What's good for them is getting into, you know, whatever school... Tori Grimm, she, she's going to college now. Congratulations, Tori. She's going to probably Boulder. Uh, good job, Tori. Uh, th- that's what we would want. I, so they say, this is what I want. I hear what they actually want or need. And then I immediately am like, Daddy, Robux, get out your homework, sweetheart. No! You'll feel so much better when it's over. Daddy, Chuck E. Cheese, let's go to soccer practice. No! Trust me, you'll sleep better at night if you run around a lot. The same thing happens to us, like our part in this. Our, we're guaranteed this incredible victory. What's our part? Our part is to just ask. Like, God, this is what we think we want. This is what we think we need. And, but then check it out. What's God's part? And this is the next thing in your note sheets. God's part is taking care of everything, even our prayers. Everything is on him. Nothing is on us to have this incredible victory. And if you have an ounce of sense, you're going to say, this has got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, look, I've been around the block. I've seen how life works. And life, you don't just like, you know, start whistling down the block and everything turns out great. That's not how life works. I mean, we do have to make plans. We do have to try and execute goals. We try, that, this is totally unrealistic. Paul, Paul seems to think that through no nothing we do at all, that God is going to transform every single person who is here, who believes, 
into a kind of person who has the peace, the joy, and the life of the eternal Son of God. How? What could possibly make that true? Let's step back to um, verse 11 of, of Romans 8. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then God, who raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells, who lives in you. I don't love uh, mortal there. Uh, the Greek is a uh, cognate of thanatos, which means death. Really, it's um, bodies that are going to die, dying bodies. Uh, bodies that are in under the control of death, this powerful force. Not just that um, our bodies are slowly decaying, although that's true, um, but, but that the, the, the forces of death, the minions, the powers of death are, are owning or have ownership and, and, and rule over our bodies. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life. Okay, so uh, Jesus is in the tomb. God sends his spirit and power. The spirit somehow takes this, this, this corpse and brings him back to life, but not as a zombie, not as like some just reanimated corpse, but as somebody who's glorified and has an incredible, kind of almost bizarre like powers and, and different attributes. This, this incredible risen Lord who, who, um, still bears the wounds of, of, of his crucifixion and yet, and yet can appear in the midst of people and who eventually goes and, 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 and raises to the, the right hand of the Father. This spirit, the spirit that accomplished that, is the spirit that lives in you. I uh, was doing a junior high chapel or a elementary chapel for Stony Brook, our, our friends and partners, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about this verse, and I was trying to explain what it was like, and, and uh, the only thing I could think of was like lightning. Lightning. Lightning is this insane, crazy power. It's like it can just, if it hits you, you could like blow up. There is a guy, though, that got hit by lightning seven times and survived. He lived to be like 84. Cool story. He was a park ranger, so if you're thinking about a, a career, maybe... Not super safe. Lightning has this incredible power and it's frightening, it's terrifying. And yet, if you get people who know how to handle electricity, the, the, the power behind lighting it, and they can channel it and they can direct it, and what they can do is what we see here. This is, um, this is from outer space. This is uh, the International Space Station taking a picture at night of the Earth. And we have so much harnessed electricity that now with the naked eye, even, you can see light coming from our planet. The very power of electricity channeled and funneled and directed by electricians and, and power engineers and people who do science. All the way to do what? To make something incredible happen. Something you never would have thought possible. And if you wanted to imagine what it would take to light up the earth, you would need something as powerful as lightning. I was thinking about power. We, uh, we live in a crazy time, 
21st century. I mean, just that, that picture itself, like the idea that there's that much light on our planet is crazy. Like, imagine 100 years ago, 20 years ago, it had been nothing like that. And the other things that we've done, um, I think the next slide has, uh, yeah, so first off, all of our teenagers are on their phones. Um, I do the same thing, especially in the bathroom. Uh, did you know that 67% of the people on earth have a smartphone? That's 4 billion people. Now, imagine what a smartphone does, right? Smartphone takes all of, uh, top right there, all the books, right? Used to, I used to have to go to an actual library to do research. Um, nowadays, I just pull up my Kindle because every single book, all of the accumulated knowledge of humanity is pretty much available on my phone or my iPad, and all I got to do is click a few things, and I can get access to it. And that same access is available to 67%, 4 billion people on Earth. We have harnessed the power of the atom where we can split an atom and we can, if we do it enough times, we can make enough nuclear fission bombs to basically eliminate life on Earth. We can send people into orbit where they can live for over a year in basically a zero-G setting where we actually have ways for them to keep working out their muscles and whatnot so they can survive in space. Imagine the, the, well, try to, just try to capture the amount of power that human beings have harnessed. You know what's crazy? For all that we've done, for all the power that we can use to make bombs and distribute knowledge and give light, and explore the universe. Nobody, except a spirit, has raised the dead to life. The sum total of the human, human power is unable to do the one thing that we all wish it could do. And that is give life to the dead. Which means then that the power to give life to the dead is above, beyond, greater, more wild, more imaginative and creative, more powerful than anything humanity has ever created. And if that power lives in you, then what could possibly overcome you? What loss, what fear, what anxiety, what death, what illness, what could possibly overcome you? What betrayal, what um, fear, what pain? could possibly overcome you when the most powerful power in the universe lives inside of you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from death drives us to victory in this life. Paul's certain, he's absolutely certain that no, no matter what comes at you, because the spirit lives in us, and because that spirit has the power to raise the dead, that spirit has the power to comfort to change, to fix 
That power is able to, come to, to bring peace. It's the power to bring new life. It's the power to, to create new horizons, new hopes. There's, there's nothing that, that that power can't accomplish because it's the power to raise the dead. It might not look the way we, we were like, God, I know, Daddy, Daddy, I want Robux. Daddy, I want you to fix um, this relationship that I have. Make it better. There's no telling what God hears when that. God doesn't necessarily be like, yep, I'm going to fix your problem. Boom, now you're better. No, that's not how it works. God has different plans. They're, they're diff- it's a different level where God's at. He is the father. We're the children. He sees better than we see. So we can't like just twist his arm and be like, daddy, give me this. Daddy, give me that. Instead, we cry out. We're like, daddy, I'm messed up right now, and I need help. And he hears that, and he says, I have a plan. I have a way of going about things. You may not like it for some of the time. It may hurt. It may be a little bit. It might be a long time before you see again. But in the end, this will bring you to the life of Christ. You will be raised. You will have victory. You just gotta wait. Just trust it on your daddy. And even if you have to wait to the next life, I guarantee you, you will have the glory of my son Jesus. And you will be his perfect image. And we will live in love and communion, endless mercy, endless joy, endless happiness for all time. Just wait. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you. If you've never had access to this power, it's amazing, it's crazy. All it comes from is just trusting. It's just believing. Remember, God does it all. We just, we just ask. And maybe there's some people here today who are like, wow, I, I want access to this. I want to believe that this is real. I want to have this. I'm going to pray for you in a second. Just, just, I'll say it in my prayer. Just repeat after me what I say, and this life will be given. You'll have access to it. Some of you are like, yeah, cool, but uh, raising from the dead, that didn't happen. That's not real. Like, come on. Nobody ever came back from the dead. Well, that's uh, one of many reasonable objections to Christianity, and you're right, it does seem kind of crazy. Good news for you. Come back next week. Uh, We're going to start a new series. It's called Reasonable Objections. The first thing we're going to deal with is science and resurrection. Because I, I'm telling you, I think if you review the evidence, you take a look at it, and you're honest, and you're fair, and you're unbiased, I think you're going to see that there's a really good reason to believe that what we're saying is not crazy. For those of you who are uh, in the pit, and you're searching and, and waiting for resurrection life, just keep asking your daddy. He's going to hear you, and in his time, he's going to bring the life you need. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And today, God, on Easter Sunday, we thank you for the gift of the power that raised him from the dead. Your spirit, your Holy Spirit, God. We praise you for sending the spirit to us. We praise you for giving him to us. We ask, Lord, that the spirit change and transform us. We ask that we become a little bit closer to victory today, to being just like your son, to enjoying his life, enjoying his peace and his joy. God, if there's anyone here who has never received this life, I just pray that they'll follow me as we say, Heavenly Father, God, I trust in Jesus for eternal life, 
and for the power of the Spirit. I ask that you give this life and the Spirit to me today so that I can begin having victory over the darkness in my life. And that I can look forward to an eternity of joy with you. Just as surely as your son was raised from the dead, so I too will rise. And for all of us, God, I just ask for the patience and the dependence to know that the, the, the end is written, it's secure, the victory is ours. And sometimes all we have to do is wait. All this we put before you in the name of Jesus, who is raised from the grave in victory and power in life. Amen.